Howdy, Ags. Welcome to Aggie Growth Hacks, the podcast sponsored by the Angry Elephant Restaurant and Bar. And here, we're dedicated to helping entrepreneurs improve their business, connect with other Aggie entrepreneurs, and support one another. I'm your host, Greg Martin, Fighting Texas Aggie Class of 2001. And I'm your co-host, Chris Hunter, Fighting Texas Aggie Class of 1998. Whoop! Well, we got a little story for you, Ags. Greg Jasper is a familiar face to the Aggie Growth Hacks family. Greg is a partner in five Angry Elephant franchises in and around Aggieland, but he's also a partner with Stafford Barrett, who we visited with way back in season four when they they won Aggie 100. If you haven't experienced Angry Elephant, you need to check it out. This politics-themed bar is where you go to agree, or at least agree to disagree, all over some craft beer and some gourmet hot dogs. So pass it back and listen up to Greg as he shares some good bowl. Well, Ags, welcome back to another episode of Aggie Growth Hacks. We have got a first time ever on Aggie Growth Hacks, Greg Jasper joined us way back in season four with another company. So this is the first time we've had an entrepreneur that has multiple companies join us. So Greg, thank you for joining us again and allowing us to learn about your this company and your entrepreneurial journey and just continue to, to spotlight you and your team. Thank you. It's great to be here. Appreciate you guys coming and doing this at our, one of our locations. Well, we, for, we've been at the Angry Elephant in College Station all day recording acts. So for the last month, all the episodes that, that you've heard are because of Greg and graciousness and his team at the Angry Elephant College Station. So your your other companies, real estate development, you're, you're the you're the student housing guy. That's uh, what they tell me. Yes. But, uh, but obviously, okay, so Angry Elephant's the bar. So students like to drink at bars, but I think that's the only connection I can have between the two of them. Yeah, that's pretty much it. It's pretty much it. <laughs> so, so how did you get into being an owner, a partner at the Angry Elephant? Well, we'll go way back when I was in school and used to work for a man named Gary Seaback who used to own Hurricane Harry's and The Tap and Barracuda Bar and Salty Dog and various other ones. Uh, and so I worked with him through undergrad and grad school. And then when I got done, I was kind of like, what do I do? And they offered me a management job and it paid nothing, but it had free tab. So I was in, you know, I was like, yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I think they lost money yeah, on that. <laughs> yeah, no, they did. I, I they, they did for sure. That was it was an interesting experience, good uh, lesson in management. I didn't do it that long, but uh, kind of moved on past that and got into construction and real estate after that. So, so that got you into this world. But what, what is the Angry Elephant? I mean, this is a franchise. It's, it's this concept. How'd you get to know Chip? Yeah. So the owner of the main was, and it came up with the, uh, the concept is a guy named Chip Ingram, who also went to A&M. He came and applied for a position when I was managing Hurricane Harry's. And back then we had pretty much all female bartenders. And he came in, wanted to be a bartender. And for some reason, I decided to hire him as one of the male bartenders there, which was very rare to come in and just be a, a thing. But just got, maybe I saw something in him, maybe whatever. But so he came in, worked, we became instant friends. And then he moved to San Antonio later, uh, a few years after that, and worked for different bars and restaurants. He's been in the hospitality business since he was 15. I mean, has never left, has always done something in the hospitality business. And so he called me in, I think it was late 2011 and said, Hey, I'm opening my own bar. And I was like, okay, cool. You know, what are you doing? He said, I'm doing the angry elephant. It's a politically themed neighborhood bar. 
And I said, that's the worst idea I've ever heard of. <laughs> like, I'm not sure why you're coming up, but that's I'm not like sure why. Pizza. Yeah. It seems like, it, like, I'm like, it's, it seems like it's off putting, you know, you're, you're, maybe you're getting rid of half your clientele before you even open. He's like, no, 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 trust me. You know, like I, it's going to work. And sure enough, he was right. I mean, it, it, it did. He, he opened up right before the 2012 elections and you know, you know, when you go to a sports bar and people reserve tables because a big game or something like that. Well, we do presidential debates and uh, election night and things like that. So it's really, it's really fun. Win or lose, we still have a, you know, whatever your, whatever party or whatever team you're on, we're gonna have a great time. You're, so. you're either celebrator or condolences. Yeah, yeah. Either way, you know, you're probably gonna have a beer in your hand. So uh, me and my two partners, we, we franchise it. Me and my two partners, Aaron, Aaron and Brian Cohen. Brian went to AM as well. We, when we decided that they also worked in the Seaback family of bars after me, they're a little younger than I am. And for whatever reason, we decided we were going to open a bar and we decided to do it in South College Station because I've, I've lived in South College Station forever. Everyone always wanted a, a, a bar down here. Everyone always wanted an adult bar in College Station because yep. we got plenty of college bars, plenty of those, but we needed a, we needed an adult bar down in South College Station. And so we did it and just opened it up and it was half the size of our original and then we added on to that. Then we opened one in Bryan. Then we opened one in Magnolia. Now we have two under construction: one in Cyprus and one in Little Elm, right next That's to Frisco. Awesome. So yeah, it's been a it's been a wild ride. The, the College Station location has been open for five and a half years. So and uh, so what became my what was my side gig is is taking up a yeah, lot of my yeah. time now. So <laughs> <laughs> love it. All right, let's talk through you know opening this uh, originally, right? So like. I know that you originally had some issues on this location here, right? And then you had another location that you guys, as you were opening, you had some issues on getting that even off the ground. So can you talk through a little bit about that? So the biggest issues we had, well, when we first opened this one, it was too small, but it was the only space to do it. And so we ended up doing it. This was, and someone tried to open a bar and they failed. And we came in, you know, the landlord said, you guys can have the spot, but you got to pay off the subs that he had already spent. So we did it and we went in and we built it. And then we decided to expand this and we were building the one in Bryan at the same time. Uh, the place next door went out of business. So we decided, oh, we're going to, you know, we, we want it. So we took it. Started doing all that. We're about to open the Brian one. This one we had, we were pretty far into to building it out, and then all of a sudden COVID hit. And oh, 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 oh. and if if you obviously everyone lived through it, and bars were enemy num- number one. Right. So our illustrious governor shut us down twice. That was a that was a lot of fun trying to get our way through that. So that was that was really tough. I mean, we opened Brian up in the middle of it. We got shut down a second time. It was difficult. I mean, it was really, really difficult. We were just, I mean, we were scrambling. We, most people don't know this too, but the old Fox and Hound had a lease done on Fox and Hound and we're going to do a big sports bar there, a different themed one. And that died during COVID as well. So I I, I don't want to tell you how much money we lost during COVID, but it was a lot, like almost to the point of about to throw it all in. Like it was that bad. And then we just, we, we just, I, I use the term persistence all the time, especially with my kids. We were just persistent and we stayed, we stayed with it and you know, it's doing, doing pretty well right now. So, so, so how has running the different bars at the much geographic different locations, how is that different than your real estate business? Cause I mean, you operate in the real estate business all across the country, but it's a project base. It's like you come in, you put the package together, boom, it's done. You're out. Right. But now you've got to manage people all over the place. That's gotta be difficult. 
Yeah, it is for someone else. I don't do it. Luckily, <laughs> I'm not any good at it. But but yes, it, when we opened the Magnolia one back in December, uh, it was very difficult getting a staff hired, getting them trained. It has taken a while rolling through things. But it was it wasn't any different than when we opened this and we turned over our kitchen three times in a year, you know, and had to do all over. And I mean, Aaron and Brian, I mean, they worked the kitchen, you know, like I was bussing tables, like just, it is kind of difficult. It, it, it is certainly difficult, but we just try to keep hiring good people. And when we find good people, we take care of them. We, you know, make sure that, I mean, just like with our real estate company, we have a good, great team. And, and with the bars, we put together a great team. It's, it's difficult in any business hiring good talent for sure. So we just, you know, we try to find them and hire them and pay them as well as we can. Right. How exactly has, uh, you know, being part of Texas A&M and being a student at Texas A&M, what what did they teach you there that has helped to manage the angry elephant here? So I go go back to, I mean, as you well know, and it probably still is, right? A&M's a meat grinder, right? They, They take in all these kids and at first they don't really, I don't think they really care if you make it or not, right? They want the they want the people who are still in there. Yeah, that's why you have five hundred people in intro to economics. Yes, yes. And I was pl- I when I first got to A and M, I was way more interested in the party and, and being in the bars. Maybe I was just always destined for it. But they politely asked me to leave, and I went to a, the I went to Blend for a little bit. Got my got my crap together and got back in. So I think it's it comes back to that. I, I still use the term persistence. Like I said, that's probably my number one thing I, that I talk about is just it's being persistent about it. And and so I feel like A and M creates these people that are very persistent and very able to roll your sleeves up and everything. When I was applying for grad school, I mean, my grade was undergrad were terrible. I mean, they're terrible. And uh, the professor that I was talking to, I was like, I don't even think I should apply. I'm not going to get in. And he's like. I'd rather have a two four from A and M than a three four from Stanford because I know you at least earned a two four, right? You know, and some of these other schools, I don't, I don't trust their GPAs at all. I know what A and M students go through, and I think that, and then you know, the culture that's built in A and M just allows you to to connect. I mean, yes, we talk about the Aggie, you know, the Aggie network and all this kind of stuff. It's for real, and I see it in the student housing industry. I mean, I guarantee. You go in the student housing industry, everyone wants to tell you what school they went to and they'll tell you, but everyone knows who went to A&M in the student housing industry because, well, we let them know, you know, right. and, and uh, so it's a, it's a for real, I mean, it's a for real though. That culture is built from the moment you go to fish camp, you know, till, till you're dead. And that's just the way we've always, we've always viewed it. I know Chip in San Antonio, he has the Bear County A&M club come out and watch football games there and, and things like that. So we're, we love the Aggie Network. We're always going to push it and yeah. and everything. So. And, I, and I think that the common bond is obviously we're all Aggies, and, and that means a whole heck of a lot. But also it's going through those common things and having developing that persistence, that grit, you know, to put it in, in entrepreneurial terms, that you just have to, it, it's not fun. You don't have to like it. You just have to do it. Yeah. And showing up, opening two bars in the middle of 2020. I mean, that, that take a, a tremendous amount of grit to be able to kind of power through that. And so is that, is that something you and your leadership team kind of talk about uh, how, how to build that resili- resiliency in your managers, in, in your staff? Yeah, I don't. I don't know if we we bring it up specifically like that, but it's uh, you deal with a lot of issues when you when you own a bar, right? You're you're taking a regular business and you're throwing. You're, you're well. You're, when you got a bar, the other you got a restaurant, right? And yeah. you got to put them together, and and then you throw alcohol into the mix, and you know every now and then some people don't don't respond to it just as well as most people do. Right. So you have a lot of issues. So 
anyone that's going to work in this industry for any amount of time is going to be pretty tough skinned anyway, pretty thick skinned and, and um, know how to deal. You know, it's a great way to learn how to deal with people. I know I, I went through it earlier when I was more in the, in the operation side of it and stuff like that. So, and, and, you know, a lot of our, a lot of our employees are A&M students, of course, in College Station and Brian for right. sure. So. So what's been your biggest challenge when it comes to the past couple of years? I mean, obviously COVID, you know, yeah. the, the 2020 was obviously very hard, but you know, let's talk through a little bit about opening new bars, right? As you yeah. guys are opening more bars, wh- yeah. what have been some of the challenges that you guys have faced with that? COVID was definitely probably number one challenge. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think anyone that was in this business or, or 90% of other businesses weren't affected by it. I mean, it was just, it was just something that was unprecedented. Hopefully we'll never go through it again. And, 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 uh, but we've learned some things from it. I mean, obviously, um, I'm not a huge fan of the government. And so whether it local, state, whatever, I mean, the state government's the one that, that shut us down. Locals are ones enforcing it. You know, the amount of red tape you have to go through now to open one of these just, it keeps getting longer and longer every year and it costs more and more money, whether that's through building code. Whether that's through licensing, insurance, Clients, whatever, whatever, yeah, whatever it is, it's just gotten more and more, more and more difficult. With with the boom in construction in Texas the last couple of years, construction prices are out are still out the roof. We see that on our real estate side, and we see that we see that the the bars are you know haven't escaped that either. So, and then of course financing, financing is has in the last year become almost impossible. It's been really really tough. You know, we're having to, you know, basically bootstrap one of these that were open because no bank is financing bars and restaurants anymore unless you just have a very, very, very deep pockets. Um, and so if you want a loan for, say, a million dollars to open a new bar, which is what the one in Little Elm is going to cost us, then you better have a million dollars in their bank before they'll give you that million. So it's, it's become very difficult on the financing side is probably my hardest challenge right now. Is, is getting those things done. So Your experience in, in real estate, while it's completely different, I mean, a lot of the projects you have are big projects require financing. And so it's just using those networks, using your understanding of, hey, this is what it takes, but hey, this is a completely different industry. And that's not to say that Angry Elephant's a worse investment than that. It's, it's different investment. And so you're accomplishing the, yeah. the capital spend or the capital stack differently. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, we've gone through this last one. We, we uh, The last two, one, we did get a bank to finance part of it. It took, I don't know, 10, 12 banks probably before we had someone to say yes to one, to one of them. And the other one we're raising in blocks, you know, just through uh, private equity, friends and family mostly. Yeah, and some you know some investors. So you know those kind of, the people that are going to invest in those are a little. I mean, they're they're used to the risk and 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 whatnot. So, right. but they're harder to find. I mean, you know, it's it. I spent a lot of time on it. <laughs> yeah, but but as as an entrepreneur, that's that's really cool because probably raising equity is a, a lot what you do with maybe some of the other projects. So that's a skill set that not every bar owner has to be able to have someone like you that understands. Okay, this is a cap table. Well, you would think this I'd be doing better at it then, yeah. you know. But no, it just you know I go back to basically, and I don't care what your business is. Everything's difficult, and everything the last three years has been ridiculously difficult. And anyone who's still in business, I applaud them because it's just day after day of, of issues coming up and 
it's just, it's like night and day. Well, I, I wouldn't say things weren't difficult beforehand, but you could be done at the end of the day, yeah. you know, and now it's, everything is difficult. It doesn't even matter what it is. And it's then difficult. you open the doors yeah. to the public. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and once we, once we go through all that difficultness, then we open it up to a bunch of drunks. So, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. We lovingly say that. Yeah, lovingly. Yeah. Lovingly. Well, let's dig in a little bit more because I'm really fascinated not only about this concept. I mean, it's really, I think it's really unique to have a politically themed bar. I think it was genius to have that right during the the election season. Um, But let's talk about the food for a second. So y'all treated us to a wonderful lunch. What, What did you have for lunch? I don't know. Is a kung fu something or another? Yeah, the Hong Kong fooey hot dog. So we we have uh, most of our well, we have a, a wide ranging menu from wings, salads, burgers, chicken sandwiches, all, all kinds of stuff. But our gourmet hot dogs are are the best. They're Eisenberg hot dogs from Chicago. Um, we have I think there's 16 on the menu right now. The menu changes here and there, but. And they're all usually named after politically themed things, but one is one one of the hot dogs is called the Hong Kong Fui, and it's a which was amazing, by the way. Yeah, I, yeah. I and I uh, like I said, people kept telling me to try it, and I didn't like for a year we had it on the menu, and I didn't try it, and then I finally tried it. And was like, oh my gosh, that's the best hot dog we have on the menu, you know. And uh, it's a it's a tempura battered hot dog with peanut butter and sweet Thai chili on it, which sounds terrible, but it, it was works. Amazing. So yeah. highly recommend it. Yeah. yeah. So so as you're blending the kitchen with the bar atmosphere, I mean, obviously that's that's maybe I think it's maybe a little unique because maybe in my mind I'm thinking of the chicken and. All the other student bars around here, they're basically just alcohol. You know what I mean? But, but you've got to manage bar staff. You've got to manage kitchen staff and kind of yeah. blend that together with your operations team. Is that, is that, do you see that as more difficult? It's like, this is the way yeah. we do business. You know, we're not like, you know, when you go to like a, a Gringo's or a Lupe Tortillas or something like that, I mean, those restaurants Food do, first. yeah, those, those are restaurants that do four to $5 million a year usually. I mean, our locations are a million and a half to two. So it doesn't allow you the same scale. To, you can't hire a GM for $150,000 at each of your locations. You just, you just can't. So we've, we've had to be, we've tried a lot of different things. And now we finally have, you know, someone who's a general manager over all of them. And then we have, you know, a manager at each one that's kind of, and that model seems to be working for us right now. And then the kitchen is kind of separate. It's managed separate. So the, okay. yes, our general manager helps with the kitchen stuff, but really the, the people that manage the bars are really just bar managers for the most part. So we've been trying to get them more involved with the kitchen just so they know it and learn it. But obviously, they have to know the menu and things like that, but but uh, really learning you know, how things are made and, and things like that. To So if I heard right, like Angry Elephant is a franchise, is that correct? So we franchise it from Chip, okay? okay. okay. Now, we're the only f- franchisees because he's not really ready. We're not ready and t- to help him either to help grow this yet. Now, in a year, two years, uh, hopefully we have the infrastructure in place where other people who want to do franchises can come in and, and do them. But you're so. also building out the franchise systems. I mean, because obviously you're Correct. successful with the, the number of locations you have and you got to have consistency in your operations across that. So you're helping right. maybe build some of that stuff sure. out. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, we are. I mean, we, I mean, all the build books for the kitchen and, and drink menus and all that kind of stuff. And and it's constantly changing. Like we're always trying to introduce new things to keep, you know, things fresh. I mean, we, we really love, I mean, we love everyone coming in, but each one has this core group of regulars that come in, you know, quite a bit. So we like to get them, you know, you know, new, 
new drinks, new beers, new food, right. food items, things like that on a regular basis. So how, how do you go out and select locations? You know what I mean? Because finding the demographics of an area that would support yeah. a, a politically themed bar yeah. is really unique. Yeah, it's a little different for sure. I mean, we're still going to go by the regular demographics that most people are going to do. Household income, you know, age, things like that. I mean, we have a, we have a fairly, I call it that most of our clientele is kind of, kind of gray collar, you know, like we have a lot of, you know, first responders, teachers, things like that, that are our core group that come in here. And then we have a lot of, you know, a lot of small business owners, obviously as well. I mean, I, I meet a lot of them, a lot of them here locally. And, and even when I'm down in Magnolia, it's kind of a similar demographic. Now, I take take that then and overlay it with a voting map. And um, we're, we're obviously trying to get it as red on the map as we can. So that being said, Magnolia is probably in the reddest area in the country and it doesn't, it's still not doing as well as Conversation and Brian. So maybe that part I'm wrong on. I don't know. We'll, we'll see going forward. You need but, a little contention. Yes. You got you to gotta have a little, little fight in there, I guess. I mean, it was really designed. I mean, that was why Chip had designed it like, hey, you know, why don't everyone meet at the bar and let's let's discuss some political issues? You know, you don't you know, you don't have to all be on one side or the other, you know, like come in, have a good time. No one's no one's going to kick you out. I mean, I'm a, I'm a capitalist. I'll, I'll take money from anyone. Right. So. <laughs> so any any plans for uh, an Austin location? So we actually have talked to a guy who wants to do one in the North Park, Cedar Park, Round Rock, that kind of stuff. Uh, we're not quite ready for him yet, so we'll, we'll maybe circle up with him back in a little bit. I don't think I'd go in like downtown or anything. So <laughs> we stay away. From, we stay away from the big metros. We we like the suburbs. I mean, obviously, so I mean they're neighborhood bars. So you want to plunk them down in the middle of as many houses as you can. Right. And to be quite honest, most of our clientele is probably fairly apolitical. <laughs> You don't just have all kind of hardcores coming in. This is not so. a staffer's bar, but you know, come in after a hard day at the hill. Right. You know, come in. Right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, Greg, where do you see Angry Elephant, the Angry Elephant in 10 years? What, what's your BHAG for this concept? I always tell people that I, w- I want 100 locations. I want 100 locations. I have no idea how we're going to get there, but we'll just take one at a time for so, right now. Uh, obviously, outside of Texas. Are they outside of Texas now? Yeah. So we actually had a, a call with a group that's out of Tennessee that's thinking about, you know, doing a couple and we would probably come in and partner with them and try to get, you know, they would be more money versus versus operations part. We actually tried, we actually almost did one in Tennessee. We were really close and then decided let's concentrate on on the uh, you know, on what's going on here. So let's build this, let's build up Texas quite a bit more before we get out. But if the opportunity is there, we'll look at, you know, anything, you know, really. So that's pretty awesome. And I, I, I love how, you know, you're going to expand out from your home base right here and, and how it is uh, residential locations, you know, families, close to families and all that kind of stuff. Before we move into our lightning round, uh, let's pause here for a word from our sponsor. And we're back. All right. We're heading into the lightning round here. And the you've been through it before, but we have to answer this in, in 30 seconds or less. All right. You ready? Yeah, I'll try. We'll see. <laughs> we'll try. I talk a lot, obviously. <laughs> That's good. All right. So first question here is, since we're Aggie Growth Hacks, right? What is your favorite personal hack? This could be a book, a podcast, anything goes here for a personal hack. So this is actually, I think, the most difficult question on the thing. And I, I, I could go a few different ways with it. I personally, I like listening. The only podcast I actually really listen to are history podcasts. 
because when I'm listening to them, I kind of just want to check out, you know, and, and not do, not do business stuff and not think about, about business. Cause you just, as you guys know, you have to take a break from it. You have to force yourself to take a break and listening to those help me kind of, kind of unplug. And don't get me wrong. Sometimes I'm listening to it, like maybe doing yard work or something. And before I've known it, I haven't listened to the last 15 minutes because I'm thinking about work, right? So, yep. so welcome to entrepreneurship. Yes, exactly. I mean, it's just, it's always on the brain, always. And, but I, I try to do that as best I can to just, you know, to kind of, to kind of just unplug a little bit. So what about your favorite business hack? And I think last time it was something with your email. A couple of partners in Stafford Barrett, we, all our hacks were emails, but they were all three different. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And how we did it. So, so no but, email, no, 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 hacks. no, um, since it, so one of the things I do is a, is a program called strategic coach. And it's a, it's a program that started by a guy named Dan Sullivan 40 years ago. And it's for entrepreneurs and, and it's an investment, but I feel like it's completely worth it. And it has really shaped my mind. And I've been doing it for about 18 months. And it's really helped shape my mind on how to build a company and how to, you know, I, I was like most entrepreneurs, right? At first, I was doing everything, everything. Didn't matter what it was. I was doing it. Okay. And then, and I was bad at most of them. When you really, when you really look in the mirror, I liked it. I thought I was good at them. Right. But when someday when I woke up and said, I'm, of course, people probably told me, you know, about it, usually my wife, you know, said, there's certain things you're not good at. And, and I didn't want to believe it at first. And then I finally, I finally believed it. And so I started obviously, you know, delegating more and getting, you know, the people who were meant to get your accountant to do accounting, get, you know, get your marketing people to do marketing. Don't do the flyers yourself. What are you doing? You know, I'm terrible at it. So you started doing that. And then when Strategic Coach came around, there's a book, one of the books they have is called Who Not How. And that book, if, if you haven't read Who Not How, I mean, it's by Dan Sullivan and Benjamin Hardy. I mean, Dan is so into Who Not How that he had someone else write his own book. Cause he knew, cause he knew he wasn't the best author. So he had someone else write his book, you know, he obviously contributed, but, but that's, that's the belief in it of, you know, you got to find your few core things you do and that's it. And then you have, whether you're hiring it out or hiring someone to do it or have a partner or whatever, you got to do it. And so I've, I've really, I've really bought into a lot of the street coach and a lot of that, you know, part, I was already kind of living that. I didn't know what it was. I mean, other than calling it delegating, right. But really that opened it up. So there's, and there's people that just, there's, there's people out there that do it way better than you do, whether it's whatever it is, they're going to, you know, you're only good at a couple things really. And, and so the rest you need to have someone else do. Love that. Okay. So what is the best advice that you've ever been given in 94 points? To tell us how you actually implemented it. Well, I mean, other than the, you know, that I'm bad at everything, you know, for the most part, I, I will always just go back to persistence. And, and, and if you're just one track mind that you're going to get it done and you're going to find a way to get it done, if you really believe it, then you, you're probably going to need to find someone else to do it or multiple people to help you along the way. But just being persistent. I mean, I got out of a company probably, probably one step too early and, Honestly, if I'd have stayed in, I wouldn't be up here. I'd probably be on a beach somewhere, you know. And 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 so I learned from that and said, "Hey, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna try to stick with things, uh, you know, as long as I can. If something's not working, it's not working. That's fine. Right. But I think if if you if you truly believe in something and you got a team built around you to do it, then you can get there. It's trust me. Like I said, we just went. We're going through three years of some of the hardest stuff, and I think there's more ahead of us, more pain. Yeah. And yet you just keep grinding away. 
So, so let me take a little divergent for a second. So, so how do you know when something's not working, it's not working and to, to, to be a realist and say, okay, this isn't working, but as an entrepreneur, you can't do that. I mean, because it's so hard Yeah. that if, if you say, no, this is too hard. No, it is the right thing. It is the right path. It's just hard. You got to suck it up, buttercup. Yeah. How, how do you, how do you know the difference between those two? Yeah. That's probably one of the hardest things, right? You don't want to give up on yourself. You don't want to give up on other people. You know, you got someone that's worked for you for a couple of years, but they're not doing what they need to do. They're not the right person for that, for that job. You have to make that decision. It's a tough call. And you, and I hate, I luckily, I mean, I haven't had to fire anyone personally myself in, in a while. And I, I'm not good at it. I'm terrible. By the end of it, they'd probably have a raise if I was, you know, like... <laughs> I'll, I'll let some of my other partners do that part. Right. They're better at it. Let somebody else yeah. do it. Yeah. They're better who not how, right? Yeah. Who not how. <laughs> well, Greg, thanks for coming on to Aggie Growth Hacks. Not only that, but also to be our sponsor of the past four episodes. We really, really appreciate it. So how can the Aggie Growth Hack community get in touch with you and support you moving forward? Okay. Well, obviously I'm on LinkedIn. I've been tagged on, on all that stuff. You can always catch me on there. The website for our bar, which hopefully by the time this comes out is the new website is up and it's called the angry elephant and that'll have uh, it'll have all new merchandise uh, the full e-commerce site that uh anyone no matter where you live can get some of our some of our merchandise we sell a decent amount of it so well thanks again for joining us ags if you're in brian college station any of the places that greg mentioned make sure you stop by get the kung fui hong kong fui <laughs> hong kong <laughs> fui <laughs> hot dog um but greg thank you so much we appreciate it all right thanks guys appreciate it well how about that ags that is what you call some good bull right there. I know that I took a lot of things away from talking with Greg and I have the opportunity. I know Greg uh, and have known him for a really long time. However, this is a whole different level. And I know that I took a ton of things away from him. What was your biggest takeaways there, Greg? Well, I was struck by just the fact that here's a successful entrepreneur that is successful, not only in one, but in multiple businesses. And, and we've We've had guests on that, that have owned more than one businesses. Heck, we've had guests on that have been one Aggie 100 in more than, more than just one business. But really, to be able to really kind of look into his brain. And so how do you do that successfully? How do you empower your people to take care of your, your clients day in, day out when you obviously can't be there? And it all came down to systems. And, and he applied that not only to his staff or Barrett team, but also the Angry Elephant team as they were growing out their systems and said, potentially these systems that he's using, that he's developing with, with Chip, the, the founder, it can be used in franchising this concept around the nation, around the world. And to be able to say and to think, my gosh, something that he developed here in Bryan College Station can have an impact and be used the very same way when they open up Angry Elephant in Boston. That's, I mean, that's powerful. So yeah. powerful. Yeah. What about you? What did you take away? Well, mine kind of dovetails right into that. My biggest takeaway was his BHAG, right? His big hairy audacious yeah. goal is to to open up a hundred locations, right? So how do you go from one location to a hundred locations? Well, one that is the systems, right? That you're talking about. But right. my goodness, you've got to have a hell of a vision, right? To say we're going to open up a hundred of these, right? And it's it's not something that is easy. For by any means whatsoever, and especially with the startup type, hey, we're we're developing the menu, we're doing all of this stuff, right? And by the way, a huge shout out to the the Hong Kong Fui. 
Hong Kong Fui. If you're at the Angry Elephant, you've got to go ha- get that. Greg told me, he's like, this is the best thing on the menu. And he was not wrong whatsoever. So anyways, his BHAG, the 100 locations was was my biggest takeaway that I took from that. That was such a great and a fun time. Ags, we hope that you enjoyed this episode as much as we had making it, recording it. And if you're not connected with Greg and you want to talk entrepreneurship, you want to talk systems, you want to talk about what it takes to be successful in multiple businesses, make sure you make sure you do that. Make sure that you check out the Angry Elephant. They've got some pretty cool social media accounts that are out there. And while you're on social media, connect with Aggie Growth Hacks. Connect with Chris, connect with me, and make sure that you give us a like on this podcast, whatever podcast app you're listening to. Give us a good old-fashioned gig them a, a thumbs up and leave a review so that we can get Aggie Growth Hacks out to more people. We also want to give a huge shout out to the sponsor of this episode and the prior three episodes, the Angry Elephant Bar and Grill. These four episodes were recorded on site at the Angry Elephant, and they were such great hosts. Please be sure to visit the nearest one near you and tell them that Greg and Chris sent you. Well, Ags, join us next time when we connect with another great Aggie entrepreneur and learn how they hack their growth. Until then, I'm Chris Hunter. And I'm Greg Martin. Thanks and gig them. Whoop!